Welcome to the Call to Action Podcast, where we bring you incredible people and even more incredible stories with discussions and topics about what it takes to sacrifice everything to overcome hardships and failures to achieve success. Our guests heard the call. Now it's your turn. He is the CEO of Flighthouse, one of the fastest growing Gen Z pop culture digital media brands and the juggernaut of curated content brands on TikTok. With over 25 million followers, 2 billion likes, 150 million views per month, and 18 Billboard Hot 100 placements. He is also the VP of Business Development at Create Music Group, one of the fastest growing music technology companies in the entertainment industry and top music rights holder in the world, representing artists like Wiz Khalifa, Future, Jennifer Lopez, Post Malone, and the controversial Takashi 69 just to name a handful. This courageous Gen Mobile leader has been covered in articles by Rolling Stones, Forbes, and TMZ. If Shark Tank and MTV were to birth an entrepreneur, it would be our next guest. And oh, he's 21 years old. Please welcome Jacob Pace. That was a good intro. What did you say? Shark Tank and, and what did you say? MTV? Yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> Dude, that was awesome. Yeah. Like you, you, you like, when you do the intro, I'm like, oh, there's, I'm like learning <laughs> stuff about myself. I'm like, oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> I know. Uh, we, we've always gotten good feedback. We kind of deem ourselves the intro gods. Like we always put together as cool as an intro as we can. We always feel it kind of brings out the best conversation, starts yeah. it off right. So let's just stop here um, then, man. The intro is perfect. <laughs> I don't want exactly. to go downhill. I'm down, bro. I'm down. Same <laughs> for us. But before we jump into your incredible story, uh, we're going to put you through the brain freeze frenzy. It's oh. a prefrontal cortex warm up like you've never experienced. Ooh. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm going to warm up my head. <laughs> All right. Let's go. Let's go. What's the name of your rock band and then the worst song you've ever created or played with them in high school? Uh, wait, are these like true questions or do I just got to get creative with it? Well, the name of your rock band that you had in high school or pre-high school, that early stages. So what was the name of it? Because you had a band. You were in a band of some oh, sort. Oh, so these are actual and then. Yeah, 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 yeah. I and thought then I had what's to make it worst... up. I was going to be like, oh. <laughs> no, no. Like, and then what's Jacob and the Gillettes? I don't know. All right, bet. And then Sounds what good. was the worst, the worst song that you guys created or played or covered? Oh, good, good question. Okay, so um, yeah, I had a rock band, like middle school, high school. And the, one, the only band that I was a part of um, was this band called Lost. And I don't think we ever really created a song where it like made its way into actually being called something. Um, but we, my, the biggest memory I have of that rock band is this one cover that we would play all the time. It was um, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. I forget the name of the song. Uh, mm. But, uh, but uh, it was like the Face Down in the Dirt. I forget. Maybe it's Face Down. Um, but yeah, dude, I like what that song was like my jam. And so like every performance, like we'd go up on stage you know, I was playing keyboard and vocals and like, I just jam out. And I remember like coming back from those like concerts, like we'd sleep over at the boy's house and be like, dude, we totally like killed that. We like fucking rock. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, so, so I don't know about worst song, but that, that's a memory I definitely have. So much influential rock comes from El Paso. That's so cool, man. Like Mikey. at the drive-in, you guys, clearly. Yeah, a lot. A lot. True. Yeah, us, obviously, one of the biggest influences on rock today. 
<laughs> well, I think it no doubt stages you for kind of all your accomplishments, which we'll dive into. But first, tell us what your morning routine is. Yeah, good question. So, you know, I've always kind of been, it's hard to really call myself like a morning person because I don't want to say I don't like getting up in the mornings, but, you know, it's not like I'll wake up at 6 a.m. and be like, oh, this is wonderful. Like, I'm totally energized. Like, on our marketing team, like Rockstar, his name's a D. And uh, we've had this bet as of recent where um, we kind of like, he's really competitive and so am I. And so we kind of like compete with each other in like really healthy ways. Um, but, uh, but, you know, we kind of have this bet where we wake up at five 30 every morning and we have to like send each other a text to prove that we're up at that time. And like, if not, we always one or one or the other lunch. So it helps to like push yourself to be like, all right, I'm going to go to bed on time. I'm awake at five 30. Um, and then generally speaking, um, I don't really have like a super strict regimen, but like meditation is a must for me. Exercise is a must for me. If I can get in some amount of like reading or a podcast, you know, and I, I yeah. kind of focus, I try to, I don't really like to listen to business podcasts in the morning. Cause I'm already kind of thinking about that stuff enough throughout the day. I like to just center as like a human being. Um, so any podcast where we can step a little bit more into, um, you know, lifestyle, spirituality, uh, I'll kind of listen to stuff like that, just kind of recenter and like get motivation for the day. Um, for sure. And then, yeah, you know, just, uh, you know, get the exercise out, meditation, and then as early as I can, just kind of get a start to the day, start organizing my tasks, um, you know, stuff like that. But I think, look, something kind of important to keep in mind is, you know, I think as you kind of grow as like a leader and entrepreneur, you kind of want to get less focused on like the hard work and more on the smart work. And so, you know, it's like, how much can you delegate, right? Because you'll look at like, all. I probably have like four, 30, 30 tasks right now on my to-do list. 95% of those could probably be delegated to someone. I just either haven't found that person. I haven't really made that connection in my head. Any number of things, right? Because it'll be like reach out to this person. But realistically, you know what? I'm going to find their email, send them a note. So how much work can I outsource? Maybe I can train somebody to like, you know, train an intern or train an assistant to like, type like I do and send emails on my behalf. So like just ideas, right? Um, Because I intentionally made an effort last week where I didn't really have a lot of calls or meetings that day. And I was going into the office um, and I was like, I'm just going to take today to just focus on like creativity and communication and like just valuing those like, you know, walks, uh, those coffee walks I have with like someone on my team and just, you know, Mm. catching up with them because you know, that's really, I think as like a leader where you want to spend most of your time is less on the like, oh, let me like grind and get back to my emails and just being a lot more strategic. Um, Cause at the end of the day, that's why, you know, we're in these positions is to, uh, is to do stuff like that. For sure. That's a, that's a phenomenal answer, man. Um, this is switching gears kind of quickly and I think we lost Keith, but it's okay. We'll keep rocking. Sure yeah, we'll back in. yeah. But yeah, exactly. Exactly. What's your favorite non-business, non-self-help, like non-productive whatsoever Instagram page? Like for me, it's kids getting hurt lately. It's so <laughs> funny, man. <laughs> but Evil. I mean, do you have one? Evil. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, favorite non-business Instagram page. Who do I like right now? Shoot. I see, um, dude, honestly, there's just these like random meme pages that like I'll come across and just follow. Like my sense of yeah. humor sometimes can get so random. Like, you know, there, there was this, like, it was this really stupid meme today. And it was like, uh, my mom 
the the soup when my mom says the soup is too hot and then it was like the soup and then it's like shrek with like a six pack or something like that yeah yeah, of, yeah yeah like stupid stuff yeah. like that i'll find funny <laughs> so yeah just like ra- random instagram pages uh one of my friends 24k golden he's he was like a big artist in the like tiktok space and beyond um he's got this meme page called looking for sugar mamas and uh mm. it's, it's kind of funny like they're like not private and um and yeah they, they just put they just put a bunch of memes and they're all like why, why follow, you know, a private meme page when you can follow a public one? Because you know how there's all those meme pages where, like, dude, it's so annoying when you have a meme and it you, is. like, send it to the homie on Instagram and it's, like... Um, and it's, like, can't view it? Oh. Yeah. I mean, at, at least a picture you can screenshot. I, yeah, like, man. When it's a video, I'm, like, bro, you're literally going to make me screen record this? Or I'm gonna and then they're, like, what is it? Yeah, I'm just, like... I'm, I'm over it. I'm over yeah, it. yeah, right. mind. Thank Sorry. you, 24K Golden, for giving us a meme page that is public. Doesn't go unnoticed. Shout out 24 gold means pain. We'll uh, <laughs> link that in there. All right, yeah. Keith, number four. Hit it, bro. What is the most successful singular TikTok that Flight House has produced in terms of views and engagement? Um, we produced an episode, I think it was of either Dent Charades or Finish the TikTok Lyrics mm. with uh, Charlie and Dixie. And I think it got close to 50 million views, if not more, at this point. Zero. Yeah. Wow. You've seen it? Oh yeah, well we've seen a lot of your content. <laughs> in fact, we didn't realize how much of your content we were watching until we realized we were watching your content. And then it was like, what? Oh, how funny. <laughs> yeah, people are always like, yo, I see your stuff on the For You page all the time. I'm like, I wish I could see it. <laughs> I, I never it's see pretty, my stuff on the For You it's page. In, it's impressive, man. What's the last thing that you did that you're glad that nobody saw? The last thing I did that I was glad nobody saw, um, I had a Sprinkles cupcake last night. It was bomb. Oh, nice. Yeah. I tripped and fell running the other day, and that was pretty <laughs> embarrassing. So. Yeah, it was, it was late at night, too. But I don't know, man. I'm not really, like, super – you know, I kind of, like, watch what I eat sometimes. But, yeah, that was uh, definitely one of those, like, guilty pleasure moments. Do you have one of those oh, yeah. vending machines by you? No, I wish. That one's in Beverly Hills. Is it? I, okay. I postmated them, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, even more cakes. What is your favorite music uh, that you've recorded that you've been a part of? Uh, recorded like myself. Yeah, it's favorite or favorite music record. Favorite music record. Um, dude, honestly, I'm gonna have to point to probably like Skrillex for like really influencing like the reason why I'm in music today. Um, oh, really? Dude, yeah, for sure, dude. Love like, Skrillex. because Skrillex like inspired me to become a producer when I was 14, and mm. after producer slash DJ, and then that led me down like a whole you know uh, kind of like wormhole into just, um, you know, just, just music business and music PR. So yeah, I mean, he's definitely one of my faves. Um, music I've recorded, I DJ now for fun. You know, what's interesting though. I I've had a lot of fun yesterday night. I, I've tried to get like more into just like, just re- relying on my gut instinct more. And just like, whenever I have an idea or like a thought or something, I want to say, just saying it and not really like second thinking it, mm. um, you know, within reason, of course. Which I mean, <laughs> most of what I want to say isn't bad anyway. Just so everybody knows. But uh, but I uh, cannot ditto that. <laughs> <laughs> say but, it. Uh, yeah, right. But um, but anyway, so last night um, I was like, I was chilling at home, and I was gonna DJ, and I was like, I wonder if I should go live on Instagram and just like start DJing. And I was a little scared at first because I was like, ah, oh, people are gonna think I'm like trying to be like all cringy and like a DJ and stuff. And I was like, ah, oh, screw it, I'll just do it. And it was actually fun. There was like five people that like stayed the whole time and they were just like commenting and stuff. And it was funny. It was like a little, like it made me a little nervous in like a cool way. Cause I was mm-hmm. like really getting into the performance and stuff. And you kind of like, 
you kind of need that stuff sometimes as like a performer where you just like need somewhat of an audience to like listen to you. Cause if you're just doing it yourself, like it's cool, but like, you know, it was just cool to like practice on the spot with people watching me. And, um, you know, I think even just going back to like the early days when, you know, we'd be like practicing with our band or whatever and, um, you know, go on stage and, and kind of perform like you had those feelings of like being nervous and like, those are just such cool emotions to feel, you know, where it's like, you don't, it's just Absolutely. a cool feeling to have, like, it's not a bad feeling. Oh yeah. I got to push yourself, man, everywhere. And clearly you are. Totally. <laughs> yeah. This is one of our favorite questions. If you could go back in history and get drunk or high with anyone, who would it be and why? Probably, uh, I don't know, someone, I don't know, maybe like Picasso or like Leonardo da Vinci or something. Someone, maybe like Leonardo da Vinci. Yeah. I don't study him like a ton, but uh, I just, I like the idea. Like, I think Kanye, like as controversial as he is, like really is like a true creative. Um, and yeah, yeah people like that. It's just so interesting how they think. And I, I think that's kind of the skin that I want to step into more is just being less of an executive, like on paper and just more of mm -hmm. a creative um and just like stepping out of the box and you know just rewriting the rules we think you're quite a solid leader man uh you know just in Thank all you. of kind of the things that we've gleaned about you listening to other podcasts etc so this is a part a two-part question what has been one great and also one shitty piece of leadership advice that you've been given Oh, so one of the best pieces of leadership advice <clears throat> that I've been given, um, I'll think about, I'll try and think about the shitty one as I say this. <laughs> I, I definitely have gotten shitty advice, but let me think about it. Um, <laughs> one of the best pieces of advice that I've actually said on like a handful of occasions is uh, one of my old, or I guess current mentors, current mentors. He told me this quote when I was at dinner because I was telling him, I was like, you know, our there was this narrative that's kind of pushed when I first came to LA as like, I was around a lot of people and, you know, company leaders would be like, Oh, you know, we're a family, we're a family, we're a family. And that narrative would kind of get pushed like from leadership down from employees back up and like, Oh, let's like, let's go out and get drunk together. We're a family. This is so fun. And it never really sat right with me. And as much as like, I do believe in the golden rule and I'm like, yeah, of course, like if I was under the leadership of someone, you know, I want them to have that trust and love of a family, right? Because, you know, at the end of the day, like we sort of rely on each other as, um, you know, as human beings. And it's like for there to not be that like integrity is like one of the worst things you can do. Um, so, you know, my mentor was like, he was like, you know what I used to tell my team is I'd say, hey, we're not a family, we're a sports team, right? And we're out there to win championships and we do love each other. And, but at the end of the day, we're all practicing and we're working on improving ourselves. And what makes that love for life is the championships that we win. Yes. Right? So you think about like team players, you know, the Lakers, whatever, the greatest athletes in the world. And yes, like they're not a family, they're a sports team because that the reason they play that sport is because they're trying to get, you know, the, the championship and they're trying to win that. And when you do win those like huge, you know, when you get those huge wins, you're like, damn, dude, you're like, you're my brother, you know, and, or you're, you're my sister, whatever it might be. Right. And yeah, I can just create those bonds. So I, I use that. Like I've, I've probably said that like twice in the past year, just when it feels right to the team, just cause I think it's a good perspective. Amen. Very well said. And it's very true. And it's yeah. something that we take to heart even here at CTAP. Yeah, totally, man. Um, worst, worst, Oh, worst piece of advice. Um, you know, this is just my, 
this is just a little bit of okay okay not that this was ever advice that was ever given to me i think it was like self-imposed advice um but don't feel like because entrepreneurs like reading and learning and you know listening to podcasts is such a like big part of the journey for especially like 21st century entrepreneurs like oh i'm gonna listen to this podcast that that and I read this, uh, I was reading um, The 4-Hour Workweek um, by Tim Ferriss. Good book. And, mm-hmm. actually, yeah, I was, and this kind of leads into a bad piece of advice. But like, you know, he had this quote in the book where he was like, uh, if, you, if you're reading a book and you don't like it, don't feel the need to continue reading it, right? And, you know, I would have mentors, old mentors, ex-mentors, now I can call them, that would be like, yo, dude, like you read a lot, like you'll read this book, write down the notes for me and like, send me a summary, you know, just cause I was like 16 and I was like here in LA and I'm like, yeah, you know, you do, you work with this person. I'm freaking down. And, um, again, most <laughs> advice slash advice from other people is like, don't let, don't let, don't, don't sway yourself into like continuing to read a bad book or a bad interview, whatever it might be, if you're just not rocking with it. And, uh, you know, I think like, just don't let people like take advantage of you. And, you know, in that sense, right. From like me being like a, an apprentice or whatever, but, uh, but again, not that it was necessarily advice, but like, don't self-impose this idea of like, you know, you have to finish a book out of discipline. Like my philosophy is like, if you truly love a book, you should be reading it. And I think you're meant to be reading it, but if not, like move on, you know, and it's not a big deal. Cause I think a lot of people can get caught up in this discipline. I was once like that, you know, and I read a lot of books where, and, and what, what inspired me was like I, uh, another mentor I used to have where um, I always looked at him as this like super on top of it, perfect, like smart guy. And I was like, yeah, have you read good to great? And he was like, yeah, I have. And I was like, Oh, do you remember this part? And he was like, uh, I don't, but can you remind me about it? And it was kind of one of those like human moments where it's like, yo, just because you've read a book doesn't mean that you got to know every single thing, like line for line, you know, lesson for lesson. Like you can forget exactly. shit. It's just part of being human. It's fine. So I think just not putting that pressure off yourself, you know, again, self-imposed yep. advice, not necessarily advice I got from, from anybody else. Never right. being afraid to ask for help as well. I think that's a big key with that too. I've learned that over these years as well. Um, What's the biggest, like, yes, we can do that for sure moment with a client or, or a potential client that uh, they've asked you to do, but you really, like, had no idea what it was, and you just had to figure it out? Have you ever had one of those? And if you did, what was it? Dude, on a weekly basis, I have those moments. Like, the other day, I was, I was, actually, I, I was actually on a call, and I was like, what am I even saying? Like, I'm not, I'm not giving like empty promises. You know, I'm never, I'm very no. honest. I'm like, look, at the end of the day, you know, we do this, we do this, we do this, we don't do this, but we're learning how to do it. Right. But, you know, I just tell people sometimes I'm like, yeah, like there's probably people that are more experienced than we are when it comes to, you know, podcasting or blah, 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 digital content. And I'm like, but look, if you're partnering with us, you're buying into us as a team. So I want you to believe in us as a team because we've had a history of not knowing how to do something, but figuring it out. Yes. And I tell them that. I, I point to other projects and successes that we've had. And so, um, yeah, I mean, you know, uh, that happens on a weekly basis. I don't want to like name particular projects uh, for the sake no, of the yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, but you know, there's been, we on a weekly basis, you know, the amount of opportunities and pitches that come in where I'm like, again, I'm not saying like, yeah, we a thousand percent can get 10 million views on that, but 
I'm just kind of like, especially when it comes to new sides of the business that like, maybe I'm not familiar with, I'm just speaking more from like passion and, and hard work and, you know, a little bit of experience of like, this is why I think we're the best fit for you. You know, like you might be able to go to someone else, but um, you know, we're going to have a lot of soul and we're going to have a lot of curation specifically into what we do really. Right. And so that's what I try and sell. And you guys have a lot of soul and that's your competitive advantage every time to kind of learn, figure out what worked, what didn't and move on. And on that topic, what is one of the best things you've learned about yourself during quarantine and one thing you've allowed yourself to splurge or be relaxed on? Yeah, good question. Oh, so yeah, two, two answers kind of come to mind to that pretty quickly. One sprinkles. is like, yeah, yeah, sprinkles, obviously. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> in my mind. Um, no, I think what quarantine, not a lot of people know this about me, but I've been a little bit vulnerable about it. Like I have a, I think I have a little bit of social anxiety. You know what I mean? And a lot of people really wouldn't guess that. I, I think I, I'm baffled as to how there's people that have zero social anxiety. I don't really think that's real in my opinion. Like you always got to have a little bit, just like a little bit. Like I read mm -hmm. this book about social anxiety, a really good book. And it was saying how everybody has a little bit of social anxiety. And if you don't, like you're essentially a psychopath. And again, <laughs> bold, bold statement, but all it's saying is that like, and again, nothing, nothing against narcissists, by the way, like I, I can, I could maybe even be a narcissist and not realize that. I have no idea, but like it was saying that, you know, um, people that have like zero social anxiety, it's because they lack empathy, you know, usually. Right. Hmm. And, you know, I always tell people this about, you know, social anxiety, because there's a lot of socially anxious people that are like my age, older, younger, especially the younger you go, the more socially anxious and like depressed sometimes uh, across like a number of different uh, reasons. But, um, you know, what I tell people that have social anxiety is like on this book, it was basically saying that like, look, cause I just want to connect with people. Like I really do want to connect with people. Like that's my drive, right? My goal, my, like my driving force. And even coming down to like me being at an airport, I'm like, I want to say something to this person to the right of me just to like say something to them. Cause I like feel like I want to, you know, mm. and the thing about that though, is like any, generally speaking, when you're socially anxious, the reason you put that pressure on yourself is cause you want to connect with them to an extent, right? Cause if you didn't want to connect and you didn't care to connect, you'd probably be super introverted and like not care about connecting with people. So social anxiety is kind of a good thing. Cause it's like, it shows that you want to connect with people and that you have empathy and probably a lot of it, you know what I mean? And so, you know, I say that to lead up to my answer, which is like, I've come to, you know, ideally be a little bit more selective with my social experiences and the kinds of people that I gel with and the kinds of people that I don't and preferably being more around people that I do vibe with. Um, cause before quarantine, I was saying yes to everyone. Like someone would be like, yo, let's get dinner. I'm like, yeah, I'm down. Yo, let's get drinks. Yeah, I'm down. And every single night it was like, I gotta go meet with this person. I gotta go meet with this person. I just didn't have a second to like catch up or take a breath. And so you know, mm -hmm. now I've tried to be more honest when someone's like, yo, let's get dinner. And I'm just like, yo, dude, to be honest, I'm just like super swamped. I have like a crazy amount of priorities. I kind of want to get through this first, but let's touch base. And I'm not promising dinner to them. I'm going to see how I feel in a week, but that's just, yeah. that's how I've tried to approach it, you know? Um, yeah, respectable. Splurge wise, uh, I started playing Fortnite during quarantine. Oh. oh, there we go. Here we go. You should yeah, start yeah. streaming, man. You should start yeah. streaming. Yeah, dude. It was a lot Let's of fun. Let's right now, guys. Yeah, yeah. You know what? We're going to quit the podcast. No, I'm good. down. Squat yeah, up, baby. Squat up. I've gotten pretty good, though. Um, 
but if I do say so myself, and I do. Uh, no, but, uh, I've gone pretty one good. One v one right now. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Go head to head. Um, no, I've I've gotten pretty good, and like it was just you know, video games are weird though, because I used to be like super into them, and then when quarantine hit, like me and some of my friends would get on and play. And then as of recent, I've just been like super busy and I'm like, I'll try to get into Fortnite. And like, all I'm thinking about is like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. And so I need to kind of be in the right mood, but definitely when quarantine first happened and everyone was kind of like at a standstill and a little bit more confused. Um, yeah. I, I like got super into, into Fortnite specifically. That was my splurge. Nice. Hell yeah, man. Well, congrats. You passed the brain freeze frenzy. I hope our, uh, that gray matters all warmed up, ready to go. But yeah, kind of to go. transition to transition like right into what we were just talking about, like especially during this downtime, as we were saying, you know, a lot of people are just trying to find purpose. Um, and with you and your story, your early years, like leading up to where you are, um, did you always have this drive to like be this leader or be in a leadership position with a company? Or did you like take early steps in your high school years and whatnot to kind of like get you to where you are? Yeah, good question. I mean, you know, I've always like loved entertainment and just like all the aspects of it. I would listen to podcasts in high school. Like I was like really into that whole space for a minute, you know, like the, the hack, the entrepreneur guys and, you know, smart mm -hmm. guys, all those guys like super into them. And, you know, I was also really into like entertainment and music and DJing and producing and being in rock bands. And so like, yeah, I just always loved this stuff. And I mean, you know, I think leadership positions, you kind of need to approach, in my opinion, like I'm super big just on like authenticity and just like staying true to who you are, right? Like the other day, and I hope this is a good example, um, I was at like a BLM protest, you know, and I heard this guy like, you know, there's all these people like, uh, you know, Black Lives Matter and everybody like repeats it or saying any number of like chants, right? And the type A leader in me is like, oh, I want to like say that chant and like do this thing. But you know, you, uh, don't get me wrong, like BLM, super important. You know, I think it happened for the better, obviously. But when it comes to people that take on those leadership positions, I think it's important for that to be authentic to you. Like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say this as like absolute advice, but like, don't feel the pressure to take on a leadership position if it's not authentic to who you are and what you want right. to do, right? There's just going to be some stuff like, you know, for example, um, I've been a part of like, you know, Toastmaster groups before. Yeah. And I've taken on leadership positions for the sake of just like doing it. And I think it's good practice. Again, not an absolute answer. Could I put my heart and soul into it? No. So what are the things that you can put your heart and soul into? And that's how you're really going to find your DNA as a leader. And it's just, mm -hmm. just going to be second nature to you. Um, so to answer your question, I mean, like, yeah, it's always been in me, but I've never been the kind of guy that's like, oh, we're doing a school project. I'll be the leader. Like, I'm just kind of willing, but here's another piece of advice too, right? Is, and this is, you know, my dad told me this and he's like, you know, he studies a lot of like just Eastern Western philosophy, stuff like that. And it's kind of a Western hemisphere thing to do, like a very American thing to be like, I'm in control of my destiny. I can get whatever I want. I'm going to go out and get it. And Eastern philosophy tends to be a little bit more like, I'll let it happen and I'm going to go with the flow and whatever happens, happens. And I think you need to find a good balance of those two things in life mm -hmm. because I don't think it's healthy or productive or to approach a situation and say, I can control all the outcomes that happens in this situation. Right. Sometimes shit's just going to happen and you got to be ready to like, listen to it and just let it happen. And that's, that's a super hard thing for me to do even to this day, 
because like for example i don't know i'll put it to you this way right like i might be like yo team let's think of ideas like let's think of the next big idea and then i'll be getting coffee at like a co- I don't know, random idea not that this has happened i'll get coffee at a coffee shop <laughs> and the barista is like oh have you ever thought about doing this and i'm like no but that's brilliant you know and then i'll think to myself like we should have thought of that we should have thought of that we should have thought of that like we need to get into the flow but it's like i think if that happens it happens for a reason so you got that's why you got to like balance putting out but also just taking in and just be okay with that and i think as like type a's you know you can get very um you really want to control everything but you can't you know yeah get wrapped up in your own thoughts and your own control issues and whatnot yeah man because you can find inspiration just about anywhere you know like i think that's the beauty of it is like you that ebb and flow of uh of taking control, but yet letting control like help guide you in a way too. Yeah. And just life happens, right? And, so and even just like as a leader, you know, listening to employees, dude. Like, yes. I don't like. I am not. You know, I trust me, man. Like, I'm not. I'm not the good person that's like. I bring in a lot of opportunities. Don't get me wrong, and I give a lot of ideas. But it's your job. There's a, yeah, it's my job. But there's also a lot of ideas that come from the team that have come to fruition just cause I'm like, yeah, that's dope. That's sick. Let's we'll listen to it. We'll hear it out. And you know, it's like, I think people tend to look at the leader as like, Oh, so you're the visionary behind all this. Right. And it's like, no, there's a team and there's also a lot of ideas that come from the bottom up and that yes. you don't necessarily as a leader, like don't feel like you got to like always be coming up with the next new idea. Like, yes, that's your job, but there's also so much bubbling underneath that you got to just listen to. And you need to surround yourself, and that's why you do, with the people whom you work with, because you yeah. know that they do those things better, right? I mean, yeah. that's the point. That's yeah. why they work with you. Yeah. Hey, how much, you know, so as a fellow Texan growing up there myself, how much would you say that, because I really believe that Texas has that entrepreneurial spirit. You know, Texas and California, I think we really do stand out. We, You know, and in, 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 how much of that would you say kind of molded you into moving LA word, you know, into Hollywood and, and, you know, do, do you think it had any impact growing up in Texas and, and, and where you landed now? Um, yes and no. I mean, I think I was kind of like, you know, I was really influenced by like early kind of like EDM days, like Skrillex and Dead Mouse, And I mean, I say early, but there's probably some OGs list, maybe listening that are like, that's not, that's not OG. Carl Cox. <laughs> Carl Whatever. Cox. Yeah, right. Um, no, but, you know, I was really influenced by that. But look, dude, all of that I was accessing from the internet, right? I maybe went to like three concerts in high school, you know, all of high school. But, um, you know, that came to El Paso. But, uh, you know, I was really influenced more so by the internet. And that's what I think was kind of a, a super valuable thing is like all my opportunities came from the internet. It wasn't okay. – there was nobody that I met in El Paso that ever gave me a single opportunity to get to where I am, aside from my parents, obviously, like – without it it goes without saying wow that's a very fair response yeah yeah it was like all off the internet um and all the culture that i consumed was off the internet all the opportunities i got was off the internet all the people that i met was off the internet so it just goes to show you like it's not about where you're from it's just about like how you use the tools that are in front of you absolutely hey were you at carl cox downtown just before lockdown (laughs) no was was he playing (laughs) Oh yeah, it was. It was, Dude, it was I, love, I love. I love going. I love going to raves though, and like concerts and stuff, big time. Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see you around. <laughs> yeah. Burning Man, see you at Burning I mean, Man. 
No, want to though, big time, yeah. big time. My roommate, all my roommates were gonna go this year, and then it, it got canceled. Um, it's I, I, I do want to go. I just kind of want to go with the right crew. Yeah, because it's like yeah, it's like, it's such a like separational spiritual experience. Yeah, like I just want to go with the right crew. You know, come with us, oh, man. Let's time. do a C tap by flight house yeah, kind of we'll trek out there. Podcast. Yeah, we'll make. Heck, a, yeah, that'd be so cool, man. We'll make a cart. We'll drive um, out in our art car. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> How did you, so like, how did you get to create music group? You know, you've, you obviously had, there was a transition period there. How did you create that opportunity to like get to create? Cause now you're the VP of biz dev. So, you know, you've got a lot of people under you, but that didn't just happen overnight. So what did that journey look like getting to uh, LA? Dude, well, you know, that, this is a funny story, right? And this is why, like, I kind of go back to this whole idea that like let life happen sometimes and it's going to happen for a reason um and be focused on the right things too because like i'm just such a big believer and like if you're if you have integrity if you do great work if you're honest and just a little bit of looking out for yourself you know like not too much because if you get a little bit too much in that you can get like too greedy um mm. just look out for yourself you know because you don't want to be like too like oh i'm gonna like take my shirt off my back for everybody i meet because then people can take advantage of you like that um mm. but yeah, I mean, so like when I was in uh, when I was in Texas, I was working with the co-founder of Create. I was doing PR campaigns for him online, and he thought I was really good at what I did, and so he flew me out to LA when I was sixteen. Ooh. And yeah, it was kind of a natural transition of like going from you know marketing and PR to A and R, and you know working my way up and doing biz dev and a lot of different things. Um, but you know, look, I think there's an interesting story in this, right? Which is. As I was building Flight House, um, you know, we had been sitting on the account for a year. I brought it up to the CEO. We acquired it. You know, it, it had kind of been sitting. It was at like 10, you know, approaching 15 million followers. It was kind of plateauing. Musically, was on its way out. And so, you know, one day to the next, I was like, yo, there's like real potential here. I want to try and turn this into something bigger. So I sent a proposal to John, you know, the CEO of Create, and he was like super into it. And I like gave him this proposal of like, I want to make the MTV for the next generation. Um, and so, you know, he greenlit a budget, I ran with it. And then, you know, fast forward a few months, there was some like internal team issues with like the team that I put together. And just, you know, long story short, we had consolidated two teams within the company want to be a part of my team. So now they were like under my leadership. And, you know, they were kind of like apprehensive to it and it caused issues. And so, um, you know, basically, you know, one day I was talking to John and he was like, dude, you got to just tell them that like, you're the CEO of Flight House. And he just said that. And that was the first time, like, I'd never, I had never thought, I'd never thought to myself, I want this crazy title. I never thought to myself, I want all this control. I was just like, I think I have the best idea of what to do with this thing. And I think I can provide vision for it. And I think I know how to put the pieces together. That's all I had in mind. And, you know, he kind of told everyone the next day, he's like, yo, Jacob, the CEO of Flight House. And then I waited like three months and then like I updated my LinkedIn and then, yeah, people just liked the story of it. And then we just kind of ran with it. But just so everybody knows, and I, I want as many people to know this as possible, I never went into this being like, I even cringe calling myself a CEO. I think it's super cringy. Like people always make this joke. They're like, oh yeah, I bet when you're at the bars, like you probably say that. Huh? I'm like, no, <laughs> you will never, ever, ever, ever saying that. Because I'm just sure. so focused on the team and the process and the product, man. But um, but there is an importance to the hierarchy of you know having the the head of the the leadership team, and then it works down. Because at the yeah. end of the day, there needs to be a, like at that splitting point, there needs to be a direction, and you get to a point 
that leader needs to take control. Yeah, so. for sure. And look, I'm not, you know, look, dude, and I think this is something important to acknowledge is like, I'm not ignorant to, to the opportunities it brings, uh, it brings me, right? Mm. You know, like I, I'm verified on Instagram. I have the cool title. And, and it sounds like, oh, dude, like that's so flexy. It's, it's really <laughs> stupid. It's stupid. The amount of people that will like open DMs just because of that. Hmm. Hey, man, that opens doors for you. No, that's yeah. what I'm saying. It opens yeah. doors. But I'm like, that. I use it to open doors. And but you're not chasing it. Yeah. And at the end of the day, it is your job to implant that vision and look at what you've done. Clearly, it's working and you're doing a good job. So the title yeah. comes with the experience. Yeah, totally. No, 100%. 100%. So what other, uh, so at Create Music Group, you know, you got, you moved there, uh, you, you guys acquire, you know, how, how did you first find Flight House? And uh, for, for the listeners that don't really know that story, I guess, trying to build the, the timeline here, what, uh, what about it kind of piqued your interest and uh, what, what did you do from there? Yeah, so like early 2017, um, I was spending like a good amount of time on Musical.ly and I was just coming across all these remix pages of like, you know, cool edits and like remixes and like, they were all these different names though, like, you know, cool remixes and like, you know, uh, musically edits, right? And then there was one that I saw that was like Flighthouse. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, this is like a brand. I, I, I dig this. And I immediately connected the dots in my head. I was like, this is the Trap Nation of TikTok. You guys know what Trap Nation is? Yeah. It's like a huge like YouTube music channel or like Lyrical Lemonade of TikTok, whatever you want to call it. Mm. I was like, this is sick. So I reached out to the kids that were running it at the time. I think I was like 17, maybe-ish, 18. And the kids were like 15 and 16 years old. And I brought it in and, you know, we acquired it. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think from day one, I just saw potential for it to like be a brand. I didn't know what direction it could take. Um, but... I think another big lesson and it it's not necessarily the question you asked, but I think it's important for what's worked for me at least is like sometimes, and you only learn this over time and sometimes it can take a month or a few months or a year or a few years or 10 years plus. But like, I just noticed that, you know, in life you can tend to be like, Oh, I really like, once I have this, then I'll be happy. Or once I have this title, then I'll be happy. Or once I, you know, have this, then I'll be happy. Um, mm. But there's so much opportunity and resources literally in front of your eyes on a daily basis that we tend to ignore. That's right. So caught up in like, I'm going to be here one day. I'm going to be here one day. I'm going to be here one day. And that was a huge hurdle I had to overcome while like working on Flighthouse is, you know, when I was at Create, I was like doing my job, but I was very like, I want to, you know, I was very much like just wanting to, you know, I just, I just didn't want to get like, uh, what do you call it? Like, yeah, this whole idea of like taking advantage of, right. Cause I was like, and, and this is, I, I have learned and lived by advice and I give it to other people like do the work first, then ask if you're not experienced, right. If you're already like the top dog and everyone wants to work with you, sure. Ask for whatever you want. But when you're working your way up, people, young people, and I, I was like this, I can be like, oh, like I've been doing this for a year and a half, two years. Like I want to be at this level already. I want to be at this level. But it's like, what have I even done though? Right. So like put the work in first and then make the ask or like, you know, make yourself so integral to the process. I, and I've seen it. Employees of mine, colleagues, it's always the same thing, dude. It's like 
the ones that work their way up the quickest or get the most amount of opportunities are the ones that work on what they have right now in some cases and then move with it and then grow from there. Right. Um, so again, kind of like a, you know, it's kind of like multiple directions on one piece of advice, but yeah, that's just yeah. something I've learned. So that that's, so you were doing what a and R work with create music group, which led to this flight house acquisition, right? Exactly. What, what is a and R work for those that don't know? Like yeah, I mean, working so, with artists and what kind of artists would you work with? And yeah, so it's going to depend, right? Based on like where exactly you're an AR. Um, mm. In the kind of create sense, it was basically me scouting artists to sign to the company because they do a lot of huge mm. monetization. So I would literally spend my weekends, you know, I mean, dude, like I was making commission off these deals. So I'm like, yeah, I will work on this literally every single day and I'll be like, the, I'll make the most money of all the ARs. That was like my goal. And, um, yeah, dude, like, yeah, thanks man. I would wake up like early as hell, get to the office. Like I had a process where I was like, go to SoundCloud, search the artist, look them up, get the research sheet, reach out, had the template, close the deal. And it was just like a cycle that I would just go through on the weekends. I wasn't doing shit. I was just working, um, <laughs> still to this day, just in a different sense. But that's what I'm saying. Like you got to grow from that. Like you can't do that for the rest of your life. Right. Just like, burnout Excel sheets scouring SoundCloud I was burning out at a certain point so I'm really happy to be where I'm at now and I you know really try not to take it for granted I really truly do because I'm like dude I just have worked for so long to try and get to a position where I can just be like yo let's do a podcast and there's an incredible team to be like all right we're gonna get Spotify on the line we're gonna get so-and-so on the line you know we're gonna get funding we're gonna do this to market it so it's been a dream come true man and like you know, we have podcasting, we have record, we have a record label we're working on. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, it's, I want I, I, I envision it spanning, like, you know, I'm just spitballing here, products, talent management, really good content, really good IP, record labels, podcasting. And I want to figure out something that's like ties it all together and like makes it super unique. Um, but I think, I think it all just comes down to like, how good of a product can you make? Yeah. That's your brand. Yeah, exactly. You guys work with some pretty cool artists. We'll we'll dive uh, deep into Flight House. I just want to what's you know what are some cool artists that you've worked with? Maybe some of your favorite ones uh, that you got to work with while being at Create, and yeah. then um, and then what's your take on the Takashi Six Nine situation too? Yo, so so there's actually this is one answer. Um, the first I I met Takashi Six Nine when we signed him. This was like before Gummo came out. Wow, really? Yeah, dude was like so shy, like just like very like soft spoken, and uh, he's like had a socially dog. had social anxiety or what? I might have had social anxiety. Um, now he's like totally feeling himself, you know. Oh, big for, time for a good reason. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, you know, like we we went to go get coffee and we went to like Starbucks, and I just remember this was like 2017, like around the time when like SoundCloud rap was like a big deal, and I just mm-hmm. remember at Starbucks, you know, we were walking because our office at the time had no meeting rooms and just like heads were turning at him. Like they were like, what the heck? who the heck is this? Um, <laughs> as far as what I make of it, I mean, look like, you know, it's a complicated, it's a complicated answer. Right. Because I, I think he knows what he's doing as a marketer. I think that's probably his best talent. And mm. like, obviously the music and the beats is like fire. So people eat it up. Um, but he's controversial, you know, he's definitely controversial. I mean, like just, you know, for reasons we don't need to get super into, but it's all online, you know? And so I think just as a result, it makes it hard to like fully associate, you know, one's self with him. 
Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think he's like a genius when it comes to marketing. I think he knows what he's Big doing. Big time. He almost proves that there's really no such thing as bad publicity because he's probably made too much money off of this recent uh, release of his of latest uh, yeah. singles, I think. So, well, you know, and it's also like, I mean, dude, you know, and, and I remember somebody told me this like a couple years ago. Um, but we were talking about, you know, we, we were talking about um, Chance the Rapper and I think who else? Like, it was like Chance the Rapper and like, who else? I mean, who could you throw into the opposite end of that? Like, okay, think about Chance the Rapper and 6 9 6 9 gets locked up for three months. He's not losing any more branding opportunities. He's not gaining any more branding opportunities because he's already, he's already made his brand. He's already dug his own hole. That's Again, not in, a bad, not in a bad way. Chance the Rapper, people like that, squeaky clean image, gets caught doing one thing, closes like 20 brands off to work with him. So people like that need to be so careful with like how they hmm. interact. And like Dave Portnoy does a pretty good job at it, in my opinion, as an entrepreneur. Because, yep. you know, he literally went on Instagram video and he was like, you guys are trying to cancel me for something that I said two years ago or like five years ago. He's like, I am uncancelable. I'm telling you right now, I am uncancelable. He's like, it's ridiculous. Like, what are you you're gonna say? Da, 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 da. And the way he handles it, it's like the media can't shit on that dude. Media yeah, can't it's shit true. Yeah, and that's a big all... problem happening right now. The cancel culture, man. I mean, you, uh, you say it's in the tech scene. You know, Keith and I were just going over this this morning because uh, we have a Dimension Software like YouTube learning channel where we teach you know software design because that's what our day job is. And then everything in between and like everything tech. Um, and so a lot of these tech guys have been talking on kind of the the racial political spheres kind of outside the box. And man, they'll get demonetized. They'll get canceled off Facebook. Yeah, for, and not even shadow banned, not even controversial things. They just talked on their opinion, yeah. which was like very neutral, very objective. And boom, all doors shut. Just like you were yeah. saying, it's very, yeah. very unique. So you almost have to build yourself to be this Takashi Six Nine personality to like protect yourself in a way. It's crazy. Do you offer yeah. any protection at Flight House for who you know the people, the artists whom you work with? What's that? Do you offer any sort of protection or any kind of guidelines, really, for for artists whom you work with? Um. Yes and no. I mean, like, we don't really have like a network of like exclusive talent, and so it's like. Anybody that comes in, you know, is going to be totally independent from us. So it's like we have no control over their brand. But we've definitely there's been times where we've actually canceled shoots just because someone gets a little bit too controversial before they come in. Mm. But again, like, like yeah, we're not we're we're not like it's got to be bad. Like it's got to be really yeah. bad for us to like do that. And like the times that we've done it, it's because it is actually genuinely bad and like mm. very loose cannons type of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about cancel culture is like, you know, people always say this thing of like, if everybody's canceled, then nobody's canceled, right? Because what does that actually mean anymore? Right. And I Again, you know, I, I don't, I can't even imagine what it's like to experience something like that. But from what I've seen, unless you're like, you know, Harvey Weinstein, Epstein, like those guys were doing some like really messed up stuff on like a super large basis. There's been some people where it's like, they said something jokingly racist, you know, a few years back, and then someone digs it up. Oh, you're canceled! You're canceled! And it's like, I don't know, man. I, everyone puts every. The thing is, this all started after the Weinstein thing, in my opinion. I think that was like the catalyst hmm. for it, and then like Me Too happened, and again, 
I'm not like some of the, a lot of this stuff happened for the better, but like you can't compare someone saying something bad in a tweet five years ago. Like everyone's going to have their own opinion. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. So it's not like a definite answer, but it's like, come on, dude, like people change, people grow. Like, isn't what, that the truth? Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. you know, what about the amount of good that this person is doing? Right. Like, yes. And that's, what's like, you know, you know, brought me to like, just, you know, look back at like the stuff that I posted when I was like 12 years old on Facebook or something. You know? <laughs> right. And it wasn't, it wasn't like anything, you know, I've looked back at it. It wasn't anything like super bad, but it's just like, you know, there's so like, especially as a teenager, man, like some people could argue, Oh, you're 14 years old. You should know better. And some people are like, he was 14. Like he didn't know any better. So you're going to have yeah. opinions. Um, Always. but you know, I'm really passionate about the whole cancel culture thing. And I don't know exactly how to approach it, but that's why I look up to people like Dave Portnoy uh, for what it's yeah, worth. I'm, I'm not saying that like everybody needs to be like him, like stay true to who you are. But, you know, at the same time, like there's just too many of these incidents where people, you know, creators, whoever, it's just like one incident happens from six years ago. People take their word for it. And then it's like, they're just getting so much hate for the next month. And I think eventually people forget about it. Um, but I mean, you know, I think the reality of it is like us here have our jobs. Like we, we don't care to throw, you know, cast stones at people. It's like, it's yeah. Yeah, you have a very is. rational take on this. Uh, you have a very, very sound logic kind of yeah. behind your decisions. Yeah. Which you yeah. And like, you know, it, it, here's the biggest problem. It's not the people that are making the mistakes. It's the people that are casting the stones. Yes. And it's kind of a, it's a societal issue, dude. It's a societal issue. Yes. Like, and they get confidence with a keyboard warrior culture. I mean, they get this confidence warriors. behind the screen. It's keyboard warriors. And it's like, you know, it tends to be people that are like insecure or just yeah. people that like straight up. Because if you were like dead ass, love your life, probably wouldn't need it and have a need to really do that to begin with. Amen. There, yeah. And there's like these like, you know, Gen Z communities online where you know, people post drama and then there's like thousands of comments like, oh, that's disgusting and blah, blah, blah. But it's like, and Gary Vaynerchuk's kind of a big proponent of this, but he's like, if someone's hating on you, that's probably because there's something in themselves that they don't like and they need to channel that out. And again, I'm not saying like, I'm not, again, I, I don't, I need to wrap this all up by saying this isn't a one size fits all mentality. Absolutely. Right? General mentality on a few situations there might actually have been an incident where someone did something really bad that was super destructive to another person yeah. that maybe can't be forgiven. And that's I don't not know what we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It's just yeah. generally speaking, it's the mentality that's a problem, you know? Right. Big time. Yeah. What's been the most surprising thing kind of moving into the media space and with all of these components, like being a media company with Flight House and uh, producing curated content, like what's the, what's the difference moving into that space that you've noticed in the most interesting things that you've learned so far? Um, you know, I think, I think something that I, that's really kind of stuck out to me is just a being in kind of the game of like social media, social mm -hmm. media is all about your numbers. It's like, how relevant are you today? How relevant are you in a month? How relevant are you in a year? And it's just been interesting to see the evolution of staying relevant. You know what I mean? Cause, and it's such a, it's such a game where like, you know, I was talking to my friend the other day because I, I have this like really big problem where I like want to be perfect. And I think a lot of people do. 
you know, like I want to be perfect and I have this idea of perfection, but I know it's, I know it's not real. I know it's unattainable. Right. And I was talking to my friend and he's like, well, you know, he's like, at the end of the day, you're a product of your environment. Like maybe you think like that because, because of your job, like you're, you're in a job where that content needs to look perfect. That content needs to have a million views that content, you know, and that's why like mental health is such a huge thing. That's like mm -hmm. on my mind and speaks to in the projects that we work on and our voice as a brand is cause I think I, I, I don't know. I just think the idea of like imperfection is something that needs to be embraced a little bit more, especially in social media. So again, kind of a general answer. It's just, I find it interesting, just the amount of like clout chasing and collaborations and relevancy. And this person's relevant today and this person's not relevant tomorrow. And this person's whack. Like social media <laughs> in, in, in that scheme, especially in Hollywood is all about that. Like, yeah. Um, so staying relevant. Yeah, oh, sorry. I was going to say uh, on that little topic of, of relevancy, though, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is a great example of this, you know, and he's been well documented where he'll post, you know, a split screen of him 10 years ago and him today. And what he says is it's not changed, like what yeah. he's been saying. So like there's a fine tuned balance of being relevant, like there's timeless relevance. And then there's like, you know, actual time relevance with with the current times. And I think, uh, like, is there anything you've noticed that in, in your development, personal development, business development that you said, wow, like that mentality should never change because it's so powerful and it's, it's true, authentic. And then are there some things that you're like, that need to adapt and morph as you grow as a person? Yeah, that, a thousand percent. I mean, the, the biggest thing I think of when you say that is a mentality I have like pretty much every day. And I haven't worked enough years to prove it. And that's the problem. Hmm. But like, I, be I, I believe in the timelessness of the entertainment that we're trying to create. And again, there could be some kid that like, you know, literally, and this is the, this is, this is the kind of just like webs that you can get caught up in. Like there could be some kid today. That's like, I'm going to make a dope cooking video blows up, gets 20 million views next day. I'm gonna make another dope cooking video blows up, gets 10 million views. And you know, I'll see that on my radar. And like, there's other voices around me that are like, yo, Jacob, look at this dude. Like maybe we should do cooking videos. <laughs> and you got, you kind of need to separate the video for a second. Be like, well, what is he actually doing? Like, is he actually a star? Is he actually talented? Or is it just kind of this like, moment in time right like let's break them apart and like i think something and this is going to sound like a little kind of like old old heady because this is kind of like a like people always give like older executive shit for saying stuff like this but they're <laughs> like oh it's not about the data it's about the gut you know like a lot of a lot of like old a and r say that and it's not it's a balance right like you yes data is important there and there's a room for data but there's also just some projects where you're like i feel good about this and i'm gonna do it i might be wrong Yep. But let's find out. And I'm just, this is the mentality I try to approach everything I do with is like, how do we stand the test of time right now and in the future? Because, you know, there's a lot of these projects where it's like quick flash in the pan successes. And then, you know, you kind of hear this feedback of like, oh yeah, like it's, it's big, but it's cringy or like it's big, but blah, blah, blah. And that's why we just try to like balance the two where it's like, yes, we do need to collaborate and stuff like that. But how do we maintain that like integrity of our content and what we put out? Because I've just never been a fan of like 
I, I don't mind the idea of hustles from like a testing perspective or like a short-term perspective of like, yo, let's, you know, drop ship like freaking face masks and we can make like a hundred thousand dollars. Like that stuff has just never interested me. It's like, yeah, I'm like, how do you like inspire? How do you like create something that like people are going to remember? How do you like, right. Cause you think about like Skrillex or Kanye or some of the greatest creatives in the world. And it's like, dude, like Yeezy as a brand probably has inspired so many creatives, but like, who's going to remember that face mask that they drop shipped for, you know, right. right? And I do, we, we get so many inquiries about that. It's crazy yeah. because we're a software development team and uh, we get so many drop ship companies wanting just the quick flip and uh, design. And it's just like, like you know, and, yeah, go ahead. Keep to it. your point, oftentimes if you can start with the gut and you really have something that just spiritually inside, it really resonates with you. And then later you can put on some data and quantify some metrics. Now that data can be measured and what can be measured can be improved. Yeah. Yeah, no, no doubt. And that's why, again, I, I'm not saying like totally throw data out the window. Cause again, if we it's were- It's wolf. Yeah, if we were truly like focused on like, yeah, if we, look, if we were focused on pure data, our content would be a lot different. If we were focused <laughs> on pure, if we were focused on pure gut, our content would be a lot different, straight up. Cause if we're too like artistically in, in, in integrity driven into our crafts and we're like, oh, we got to make like the lighting look good. and music's got to be good and it's got to be dope artists like there's a good chance that people just won't give a shit for a long time you know and if we go too data driven it's gonna look like a sellout so you kind of need to be like yo we have yeah. our brand but we're down to collab and you know it's a hard it's a really you know kind of hard you know line to balance um but yeah just on the whole like drop shipping thing i mean look like <laughs> I, yeah i mean like i think there's like upper like a case study right so like I'm not opposed to it. I think it's smart, but like, I'm just not into the idea of like selling freaking hoverboards on TikTok because I can, you know. Um, but look, do I think if we could sell fifty thousand dollars worth and be like, okay, there's real potential here. Now let's go find an investor to do something bigger. Sure. It's just I don't know, man. I'm just not really. I'm not into the idea personally of like, yo, let's make the biggest drop shipping company and just facilitate orders. I just, and I've had friends, dude. I've had friends that have done drop shipping and a year or two into it, they're like pretty successful. And they're like, I want to do music, you know, or I want to do entertainment. Right. Like, Why? Cause they're like, I just, they're bored. it's a grind. It's a fucking, yeah. grind. it's soulless. Soulless. Can be. I mean, you got, you kind of need to separate it though. Like I think it, again, if you could have a business like that from like, look from a straight, just, business person perspective if you could have a business like that pay somebody a salary to run it and just make cash on that like for sure amazing but like i don't know to put your like to put like a lot of your like hours into something like just be passionate about it it's probably people that are passionate about drop shipping though for all i know how for often sure. are is flight house kind of behind either a product or a service that you're marketing a good amount. I mean, you know, we have an agency side of the business where we collab with like labels, product companies. It's all white label. No one would ever know we're attached to it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we try to be the best in what we do. And I think, you know, we've started to push this narrative at Flyhouse that like we're a collective of creatives uniting together for like, a, I don't know, common goal, let's call it. And I like that idea because it's like, if we want to do products, we can do products. If we want to do a label, we can do a label. If we want to like... You know, I just think there's a lot of like creative juices flowing that are like, let's try this. And it's all it's all having to do with digital. Right. Um, 
but yeah, I'm just not ready to like put us in a box yet and be like, we're a media brand. I, I still think that's like not really encompassing of, of what everything we do. How does Flighthouse help brands grow on TikTok? Like what, uh, let's say someone has a brand or a product, like they come to you. What does, what does that look like? Yeah. I mean, so, you know, brand approaches us and, you know, basically says like, Hey, this is our goal. Hop on a call with them, understand what they want to do. And yeah, just execute based off that. So that could span original content creation. Um, that could span like marketing campaign with a song. I mean, it could span branded content on our page. It really just depends on like what they're looking to do. And we try to just, you know, help, help meet them in the middle. Jacob, you are so young and so full of ideas. A lot of them very, very forward thinking ideas, stuff that, you know, everyone can see with Flight House. What do you think on the future of potentially, for example, banning TikTok? What are your thoughts on this? Good question. Um, it was funny, like a day after that news happened, I was like doing this other podcast and the guy was like, Jacob, let me get your thoughts on something. Like, what are your thoughts on all this? And I was like, honestly, there's a little part of me that's like excited if it were to happen, just because there's going to be a lot of opportunity that's going to open up. And I feel like we're in a good position to take advantage of that, whether it's Instagram reels or any number of competitors or opportunities or white space, right? Like it's just going to open up a lot of opportunity and like, yeah, it's going to be hard, but I just have this theory that like when, when life hits you with that, like really fucking hard shit yes you gotta like it's that's defining and you gotta just look at it like that like that's just defining for you um you know and and just like stay on your toes right and i was uh i gave this quote recently where i was just saying that like um you know when covid happened i was like not not consciously thinking it's just like a little bit in the back of my head like damn like you know we're invincible dude like covid came knocked out all these people all these businesses, unfortunately. And here I am like in my room getting, you know, you know, blown up with like, yo, can we do marketing? Can we do this on TikTok? We're down to pay budget. We have this many dollars. And I'm like, damn, this is crazy. Bodes you know, well for you. We're, yeah. Like we're, you know, again, just for lack of a better term phrase, we're invincible. And you know, when this news comes out, it's just a reminder that like no one's invincible and like anything mm. can happen to take out your business. Um, and you got to just constantly, constantly innovate and diversify. And that's nothing we don't know. That's why we have a label. That's why we have a podcasting business. That's why you're successful. Yeah. You have many, many avenues. What do you, what are your thoughts on snap? Because I see just that they've kind of positioned themselves to pick up a lot of this slack and depending on what happens, they almost seem like they're right there. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, just to wrap up the last question, I mean, like hopefully, uh, TikTok, my theory is like it'll get bought by a U.S. company or something along those lines is going to happen because I just think it's too big of a platform and America yes. is like too free of an economy to just let like just ban it. Um, so that's my theory and I'm hoping that happens. Yeah, uh, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and I think on hopefully as as that, yeah, it'll be hard to just go away. I don't think that's exactly. and that's yeah. why they're like, hey, we're going to promise ten thousand jobs. We're going to pay you know two hundred thousand dollars or. 20 million dollars to creators like they're putting out all this news and they just got kevin meyer mayor however you say it so hopefully they're in a good position um snapchat i think snapchat is you know there was this article that came out like when uh i think it was evan spiegel talking about tiktok and he was like we don't see tiktok as a competitor we see it as like a best friend which yeah it's a good perspective on it because the idea is the more time you spend on snapchat the more time you're on your phone so the more time you're spending on any mobile app including tiktok um, 
And I think we're trying to be complimentary to Snap because we do a lot of mobile-first content, and so I really want to help them create some dope content. So we're having those combos as we speak, confidentially. Well, not confidentially, everyone. It's on a podcast. Whatever. Now that it's out. Yeah, now that it's out. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, you heard it here first. Breaking news. Um, but, uh, but yeah, you, you, we're, we're talking to them. And so, um, you know, I think there's still – I mean, there's still it's, – it's not it's – not, here's the thing, right? I don't know. To some extent, I think I think we can kind of get a little. Here's the thing, right? And this is a fact. I think this is a fact. I think is uh, <laughs> is you know we're in the business, right? So we're competitive. You're you guys are looking at your business like how are we better than this person because of this this and this we're doing the same. It's very rare that the average consumer is going to be like, oh no, I'm not on Snap anymore. It's irrelevant. I'm on TikTok now. Or no, I'm not going to watch Complex. I'm going to watch uh, Vice because like, nah, Complex is irrelevant. They're just like, yeah, I'll snap my friends. I'm Yeah, if I'm a Discover and I'm on the toilet, yeah, sure, I'll watch Cosmopolitan Snapchat. Oh, yeah. I'm bored. I'm going to hop on TikTok. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing fun here. I'm going to hop on Facebook. Damn, what's Ryan up to? That's crazy. I, that's like how- my notes. Wait, are you looking at my phone right now? <laughs> 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 but it's just like, you know, from a consumer standpoint, like they're not thinking, like they're not pitting people together. They're just like doing their thing, you know? Yeah. So, but, and so I say that to just say simple answer, like TikTok and Snap are two different products entirely. Yes. But yeah, sure. They're all competing for attention. Rival. When, when you guys are producing uh, internal shows for Flight House, not client paid pro, uh, content production, uh, what, what's like, what does a post or an episode cost you guys to run from a business perspective? Do you guys have uh, all oh, that broken not- down? Yeah, like if it's internal, you guys are producing. Like, what does it cost you guys to produce an episode, a season, and and time frames, things like that? Really cheap. I mean, a lot of the stuff we do now. I mean, if you look at it, it's like a table, two chairs, a backdrop. Yeah. that's it, really. I mean, if we take out salaries of our producers and editors, which is like at this point because of um, COVID, a very skeleton crew. It's like really right. cheap. like probably okay. if you were to put a dollar amount to it, hundreds of dollars an episode, maybe less. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you guys outsource any work to through like, uh, or is it all local? Yeah. It's all in house local. Good for you. Local, that's amazing. Yeah. We, we believe yeah, in that hyper local as well. What's your take on YouTube versus TikTok? Obviously there's no, you know, secret sauce to, to posting cadences or anything like this. It's kind of just finding your niche in the market, but you know, with, with, as we were talking before, the cancel culture, have you, have you guys felt any differences with, you know, YouTube and or TikTok? Um, I mean, I think there are two different platforms. Um, I think YouTube is more for like personality and TikTok's more for like creativity is the way that I see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, I think the strongest brands are going to be on everything that matters. Yep. Just to keep 100%. it short. Yeah. So YouTube matters, TikTok matters. Instagram matters, you know, Twitter, even some people might hit on Twitter, Snapchat matters. Like there's only a handful, you know what I mean? And it's like, just do your thing, you know, just be authentic. But yeah, it's, it's going to be, it's going to, if TikTok goes in the direction I think it's going, it'll be around for a pretty long time. Yeah, for sure. Anything uh, upcoming with Flight House? Uh, any cool projects in the works you guys are going to be dropping soon? Any new uh, series, toilet series or what? <laughs> Hopefully, hopefully. Um, 
No, we're uh, working on our label right now, working on a couple acts, uh, you know, building our podcasting business. Um, building what are you guys our- talking about on the podcast? What's the... Um, so we actually struck an exclusive partnership with this company or this podcast called Teenager Therapy, which is like the biggest mm. mental health podcast for teenagers. Uh, so they get about 50,000 uh, an episode right now. Um, and yeah, they're they're pretty sick. And um, yeah. So I'm do we, bro. So do we. <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, they're just, uh, they're really dope. They have like a dope niche and, um, yeah, we're just excited to like build their, uh, brand and, and, you know, bring it to fruition a lot more. And that's what I'm saying, dude, is like, I'm not, I don't know. I'm about, I'm trying to be about quality, not quantity. Like mm. just let's build teenager therapy to be like the fucking sickest it can be. By the way, I just, I just remembered my mom, I, my mom listens to all my podcasts and she hates when I curse. But I'm like, come on. Like, it's not that big of a deal. And hey, what like, the fuck? Yeah. And she's like, I just never hear you talk like that when you're around me. Is that how you talk with your friends? And I'm like, no. No, but uh, <laughs> sorry, mom. Anyway, I'm we can, we can bleep that out if you want. Yeah, right. Um, no, but uh, but I'm excited for that. So, yeah, just, you know, diversifying. Awesome. And um, I think just the number one goal is just building the brand as, like, strong as it can be. Roughly how many folks are over at Lighthouse? Uh, we have 20 ish right now. Okay. Yeah. What's the most impressive thing about your culture that, uh, you're super proud about? You know, that's a good question. I think just the fact that like, and I don't mean to sound like, um, you know, I don't know. I don't mean to sound like self-centered or anything like that, but, uh, um, send it. Yes. I'll send it. Uh, no, just like, you know, I've, I've had a lot of people meet that man, like creators and, you know, family and friends. And they're just like, dude, you guys are all so chill and just like down to earth and real, you know? And I think that's just the energy that we want to bring to Hollywood is like less of this whole like cutthroat fucking, you know, wine and dine bullshit. Yeah. And like, not, not all about this. Like you got to like know what you're talking about and be calculated and, you know, be the loudest in the room, but it's like, just like be yourself and just contribute and have fun and have good ideas and speak your mind. And that's it. And every, like you guys, like, I can bring those guys anywhere and they're going to get along with everyone, you know, and they're just mm. like down to earth ass people. So I think that's like what I'm most proud of. Wonderful. Can you leave our listeners who either wish to start a company in the future or are currently building one out right now of their vision of the world with a few pieces of advice um, and or wisdom that they should be focusing on to kind of best accomplish their goals, especially right now. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, anything that's worth, Getting is going to take time, I think, right? Like, even with Flighthouse, dude, like, this has been th- around three years in the making, you know? So it wasn't overnight. And, and for the first year and a half, like, it just – it wasn't connecting. Like, our, our, our stuff just wasn't connect. It wasn't working. And that's, like, just part of a business sometimes, dude. Like, just keep moving forward, though. Like, I heard a really good piece of advice from one of my friends the other day, mentors maybe at this point. He's just like, dude, just like, yeah, I think you're on the right path. Like, just keep going forward. Don't look back, you know? So just – you know, keep going forward and like iterate, um, you know, nothing's ever going to be perfect, but, uh, yeah, just like follow your gut instincts and, you know, like Nike wasn't made in, in like a day, like Nike, Nike's where it's at. Cause it's been around for decades. So, you know what I mean? Like it's not, and, 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 you know, look as a company, it's all about like relevancy, right? Like you look at Amazon or Apple Google, they're all fighting to be relevant. That Google wants to be the number one search engine. 
Apple wants to be the number one supplier of, you know, smart technology. Amazon wants to be the number one e-commerce thing. And people think, people associate, and I'm learning this, by the way, people associate age with relevancy. Like the older you get, the less relevant you are. But it's not true. Because if you, if you can look at that in the right way, the older you get, the more relevant you can be. It's just really hard, right? And yeah. that's, like look at Nike, look at Disney, look at, there's companies that have been around like longer than we've been alive, right? And it's just, you know, and it's not, it's not like people think of like Supreme and Off-White, but even those brands have been around for longer than we think. Yes. So, you know, and, and some of the most timeless brands were built by brilliant minds in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. True. True. Yeah. I mean, that's a huge thing, man. I mean, you know. I'm some thinking, people aren't successful until they're 60. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. But I also think just like, you know, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's a, it's a, it's a hard curb to get over, but like, just, you know, to try, just try and eliminate fear as much as you can out of your life and just like send it. Cause it's when you send it, it's not as bad as you think the outcome is going to be it's like, it's all irrational in our head. You have a wonderful attitude and a very positive outlook on everything, you know, and that is what's contributing to your success. Appreciate that. A quote I always like to think about that reminds me of it real quick is that, you know, it's never as good as it seems and it's never as bad as it seems. It just is what it is. And so, you know, as you were saying, when you send it, just, it's going to be just what it is. Just don't block out all the externals. Yeah. And like last night I was like talking, I was talking to my friend and, um, you know, we were, we were just talking and I was just saying like, cause like long story short, like, I mean, it's a crazy story, but like, you know, her Hey, car, send it. Hey, yeah, send it. <laughs> uh, but, uh, long story short, like there was like a hit and run that like, like we were hanging out and then someone like hit her car and like took off and we didn't see it. And she was like super upset about it. And then like, she slowly got over it and you know, we were just chatting and I was like, you know, trust me, dude, I've had quote unquote bad stuff happen in my life, but we were just talking about philosophy and, you know, outlook. And I was just like, I mean, you know, look, like, because this happens, because this happened, this is going to open up like a whole domino effect of chain of events that's going to occur. Right. And you never know what's going to happen at the end of all that, which is why you can't really look at it and say, this is bad because you don't know what's going to happen after. Like you could break your toe and go to the hospital and meet your best friend. And that's the doctor or the nurse there or learn something. Right. So, you can't like, and again, I'm not, I, just so you guys know, I'm not like this, you know, monk that's like super perfectly minded and like headstrong, but I think it's true to just like look at stuff and be like, it, it is what it is. And I'm just going to, you know, make the best of it. And I think the more you can like viscerally feel that, the happier you're going to be. He's a courageous young man, wise beyond his years and a dangerously effective leader. He's leading the curated content revolution on TikTok. He heard the call and took action. Remember this man's name because you may be working for him one day. Jacob, thanks for coming on our show, man. We appreciate your time and uh, sharing your story with us on CTEP. Watch, guys. Appreciate it. Ah!